listener questions live on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, getting you set for Memorial Day weekend. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by my partner in crime, John Sheeran. Getting set for the big weekend ahead, buddy? Yes, I am. It's Memorial Day weekend, and I hope that you and yours are have some nice plans. I, for some reason, my camera's all out of focus or something. That I, I can barely even see Randall. He's basically a, a figment of <laughs> He's some, here, though. Some blurriness. Yeah. He's here, though. Um, Someone asked. Yeah, I'm going to try to get this fixed for our YouTube guys. Uh, Well, we're here. We're answering questions from you all. This is your show, your opportunity to come on here and ask us uh, some of the burning questions on your mind as it pertains to the Cincinnati Bengals. There are a number of different ways to get in touch with us. You can call or text 949-542-6241. We've already got a few texts rolling in. We have a handful of live chats going, whether it's on the Cincy Jungle Twitter account where we're streaming live, the Orange and Black Insider Twitter account where we're also streaming live, or the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, the, uh, gosh, what am I missing? The Oh, the post on cincyjungle.com. There's a comment thread there. So no excuses. Even if you're partying, getting your party started early, on this Friday, no excuses to not get questions in and get answered. We're going to get to it, though. John, bat leadoff for us, man, to use a, another sports analogy. Uh, where, where are we going first? Man, like, <laughs> you, you put this one in our little private chat first. And I think we got to get, we have to get to this because this is kind of a loaded question that we need, we need to take all the time we have. So I think it's from the Bengal 4 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Rank each quarterback – each opponent's quarterback and weapons against those of Burrow, including Mixon. So I've been, I went on like our lads because they have like that one handy dandy page where you can see every team's depth chart. And I have, a, I think, at least five or six that I would take clear over the Bengals. And everything else might just be a coin flip based off of what we think we know about this team. So in, in your mind, when, when you think of the upcoming schedule, which teams do you think the Bengals have completely outclassed in terms of? weaponry and quarterback talent well it's funny because i was just in my car not too long ago and i was listening to everybody's favorite talk show host colin cowherd and uh he and joy taylor were kind of going back and forth and they were talking about joe burrow being back at otas and tyler boyd saying you know this this article's up on cincy jungle also tyler boyd talking about how burrow's going to be the guy to take him to the promised land etc etc um and they started gushing about the weapons all of a sudden, you know, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd and, and Jamar chase being added to the mix. I mean, I, the, the, the problem here is small sample sizes for these guys, if not any at all at the NFL level, um, there's some injury stuff, especially when it pertains to mixing and not, but I think all systems go all potential reached. This has to be a top five group uh, at least conversation top five group. If we're talking all things working the way that we hope and that it should with this entire group because of the weapons that they've amassed at, at the offensive skill position areas. Now, I didn't know if the question specifically, and I'll, I'll pull this up to share. I don't know if the question itself was specific to who the Bengals have on the schedule this year or just all the way across the NFL. But I mean, if you, if you're looking at this, these skill positions and it, they said so even on this radio show and Colin Cowherd has not been the most supportive Bengals guy uh, out there. I mean, they're saying this is, this is a, a pretty scary group 
regardless of how many wins they end up getting this year. I mean, that's it's it's going to be a pretty scary group for other teams to face. The on paper talent is undeniable. And I think that's the whole reason why it gets propped up like that. Like there were so many pre-draft conversations about it, but now that it exists, it's a reality. You have to face the reality in that the, the talent is undeniable. And I think when you look at who they're going to play this year, I think by and large, like a hundred percent sure you have more confidence that they can match the firepower of these teams, the bears who they play week two, hundred percent with Andy Dalton, presumably a quarterback and even Justin Fields, even still, you have like Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney. That's about it at receiver. The Lions, I mean, they're more or less a joke. In, in all honesty, on offense, they have a great offense line, but that's literally about it. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think at this point, you're confident that they've ascended them, and there's not much to worry about on the offense side of the ball with Ben Roethlisberger, where, where he is right now. The Jaguars have potential, but it's not as concrete as the Bengals, even though they have the number one pick at quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. The Las Vegas Raiders, I think Derek Carr just kind of is who he is, and there's a lot of questions at receiver with that team. I think when you look at teams like the Vikings, the Ravens, the Browns, who that's like at least five games right there. So that's already like 10 games I just covered on the schedule. And those last three opponents, the, the Ravens, Vikings, Browns, I think that is where it gets really heated and really close when you compare each one. And you may take Joe Burrow over – a couple of those quarterbacks, maybe all three of those quarterbacks that I mentioned, but the weaponry around those quarterbacks is where things kind of get um, evened out. But then, I mean, no one's going to put the, like the Bengals over the chiefs at this point, as long as Aaron Rodgers is playing with Devonte Adams, I think you would take the Packers on paper with that. But yeah, I think at this point now, and you can go through a couple more opponents that they have like the San Francisco 49ers. We don't know if Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play in that game, but I think the true strength of that offense is really the, the play caller and like the receivers have talent in Brandon. Now you can de- Debo Samuel, but again, that's why you have Jamar Chase, T Higgins and Tyler Boyd to match up with any of them. So I think that becomes a, 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 a wash, if you will, or maybe even favors the Bengals when it's when, in terms of overall skill players. So right now the schedule looks tough, but on paper, if you just want to look at the, the pure talent on offense, the Bengals have outclassed at least a third, maybe almost mm-hmm. a half of their schedule. And a lot of that is within the AFC North. It's all, yeah, that's a great point. The the division aspect. It's all about how quickly can they grow up, how how quickly can they get caught up, especially after the last last off season where they didn't really have the true training camp and all that kind of stuff. Um, how how quickly can they uh, how quickly can they get acclimated to the system? And you know, when you're talking about other teams in this division, Lamar Jackson, et cetera, you know, it, th- there are specific systems in place that really benefit the, the QB and uh, the, the weapons that they have. You know, you got your J.K. Dobbins and the whole stable of, of running backs that Lamar Jackson has had uh, while with the Ravens. So, I mean, it's, it's how quickly can this group grow up, namely Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, uh, after missing a portion of last year, but Jamar Chase, T. Higgins still, still growing into the – into an NFL wide receiver, how quickly can they grow up? And of course, you know, how, how quickly will they integrate into the system that's being created that obviously suits all of the strengths of that core. And, and I mean, we're talking, obviously we go to the kind of the obvious people, Burrow, Boyd, Higgins, Chase. We didn't even mention Auden Tate, who a lot of people love as a wide receiver for, you know, there's 
a possibility that they make another addition somewhere out there. Maybe one of these undrafted free agents uh, kind of uh, of the last couple of seasons impressed them. But, um, you know, it, this is this is a, a deep question, but, um, you know, there, there's a lot to it, I think. Exactly. And I noticed that you didn't even give an answer because of how tough the question that actually right. is. But right. I mean, that's it, it's May. Injuries are going to happen. This And this question is going to evolve. But right now, I think they're, they're pretty set to compete with most teams on the schedule. Where, where are we going next, man? I think we might have a call coming in at the moment. What what record is Randall predicting this season? Uh, we got a call on the line here. What, what was what was the question you had, you had there, John? Before we get to the the call, oh, he was just asking what what record is Randall predicting for this season? He's not. Oh yeah, we got to hear from Randall. Randall's been a celebrity today. What, what is come on, Randall you're not going to put him on the spot like that. He's got until September <laughs> to wait. He's going to bide his time. He's, yeah. He needs all the information to come in. I got news for you. Randall's got nothing but time back there. That that guy, given his his state Jesus. of of, he's got nothing but time back there. I think oh, we've man. got Terrell on the line. Terrell, how are you? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. It's Memorial Day weekend. We're getting things started with a bang here. uh, Yeah, I'm actually coming back home from Florida. I I went back uh, for my uh, daughter's birthday. Oh, nice. I'm coming back home today. Nice. Literally in the airport. But I just, I think it's probably about like two big hats around down in Florida. But uh, I just gotta say, uh, I gotta say, man, that that, that girl coming back, practicing, even just showing a little something, though, they just they just made the city just just feel so fulfilled, man. And um, I gotta say that um, we got a lot of hungry um, players that that's ready to make their mark on the team, and. Um, I gotta say that I'm just glad about the training camp. We finally got a training camp. We finally got OPAs. We finally got uh, everything going. Got you can see the new guys train. Um, I think I think Pope, uh, Pope Williams is the third best running back on the team. What? Uh, you think Puka Williams is the best running back on the team? Third best running back. Oh, third best running back. I thought I thought you said I thought you I said thought the, the airport drinks are getting too much. Wow, we're we're really calling a shot here. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I I, I think, think he. Go ahead. Uh, I, what I was gonna say was uh, I, I'm I'm a little I'm just hoping Trey wins be at least a step above Kirkpatrick this year, and I know that's what his his, his comparison is, but. I just hope he be okay. I think Hilton and uh, Cheeto gonna be is gonna be okay. Um, uh, Jesse Bates is just a leader, man. He just an uh, all across leader, man. I, I met him. I met him down at um, Kings over in UC. Just, 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 just a class act, good, good dude. Um, I just, I just, uh, I just hope. And real quick, I just hope that he finally gets the Pro Bowl. I hope Joe Mixon finally gets to the Pro Bowl. Um, I already feel like. The boy got snubbed. You, it, it's, a, it's a shame that guys can get barely two yards that play for the Steelers and they can make the Pro Bowl. But just because we play for the Bengals and we root for them, though, we we, we, uh, we can get 300 yards rushing, we still can't get in. Wow. That's, that's kind of the – until they start winning and winning the big games and uh, gaining a little popularity, that's kind of the deal. But – Terrell, fly fly safe back home, man. It's good to hear your enthusiasm. Good to hear that you are 
Um, you're seeing some. Quick, I, don't know yeah. if you, uh, I don't know if you caught me on um, Ace, and I was FaceTiming Ace. I would love to FaceTime y'all one time. All right, we'll do that. We'll get we'll get you we'll get it set up. We'll get it set up. Yeah, but uh, I just 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 the whole overall. I think Jack is this is years and the on the on the chopping block hot seat. I believe is is uh lose and that's that's all I got for you. All right, Terrell. Well, fly safe back home. Glad you had some good time with the family. Glad you're seeing some Bengals representation in Florida, and uh, we'll talk soon, bud. Thank you. Have a great one. All Bye. right, thanks. We had uh, a couple more calls come through too during um, during our convo there with Terrell. So if you called and we, you didn't get through, call. Feel free to call back. We'll try and get you on. That's a good. Uh, he kind of talked about a, a few things, but one of which John kind of parlays nicely, I think, into uh, one of our other texts from the nine three seven area code. You know, talking about Lou Anarumo, the defense. Uh, you know, he mentioned cornerbacks, Jesse Bates, all of that. And the, the question we received from 937, the text message, do you think the improvements on defense will be enough to cover up lose deficiencies? Um, I, I think to me, it's all about health. And this is still Lou is one of the uh, kind of a, a rookie coach himself when he came in with with Zach Taylor and company in terms of the the position he was given. He was a guy that they, I don't want to say they settled upon, but kind of. Uh, based on <laughs> based no, on other people no kind of about it no kind yeah of. yeah I mean so uh I mean it, it's a big year as Terrell said it's a big year for a lot of these people to to put up or shut up I think Paul Blanton in the chat said that as well but do you think that they have done enough starter wise depth wise in the draft everything to be able to kind of overcome maybe some of these inefficiencies that Lou Anarumo has as defensive coordinator and or does he finally have the pieces that will eliminate those deficiencies that he has shown over the first couple of seasons. Well, I think the, the the question was like, do you think the improvements on D will be enough to cover up his deficiencies, lose deficiencies? We don't even know if they've improved on defense. We just know that everything's different. There's a lot more money thrown against the wall to, to make it better. We don't know if they're better yet. We don't know if they have a true pass rusher that can win one-on-one matchups like Carl Lawson, Carlos Dunlap in his prime could do, or Geno Atkins in his prime could do. They have a lot of new faces, and you like to think that the new faces are going to be better than the old faces because the old faces couldn't do jack shit when when they're up against the wall last year, but we don't know if they're going to be better. Like It's the same defensive coordinator as a bunch of new personnel. We don't know if the personnel is better. We just know that the personnel that they did keep, they're solid players, including Jesse Bates, who if Terrell saw him at Canes at UC, he might have even saw me. I've been, I've been a frequent... Um, mem- um, customer there in years past. I, I feel good about the depth. I feel better. I should say I, should, I feel better about the depth. Now, where we're, I think we're all kind of worried on defense is maybe some of the star power that you lose in a William Jackson, a Carl Lawson as starter players, but I feel that they are far better prepared to withstand injuries maybe even multiple injuries at certain positions and that puts them in a much better place than the last couple of seasons now unfortunately john the last couple of seasons it's like an injury hits a position group and then it hits again 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 and And all of a sudden we've talked about this they're they're using street free agents and whatnot to come in here and start football games not even vie for a possible spot on the roster they're starting regular season football games so I feel like 
the moves that they made in the draft this year in particular going real heavy on offensive and defensive line. I think they are in a much better place depth-wise to withstand you know, the potential devastating injury, a ravaging of a, of a position group. That's where I feel better about things. That I will agree with, and every team will suffer injuries. It's just about who can manage it better and who whose depth will be able to step up and at least produce decent results that will not cripple the offense on the other end. I want to go to the Facebook comment section from Frank Randolph, and he addressed this to me, but I want us both to answer this question. Give me your numerical number rating on a scale of 1 to 10 on last year offense line starters player-by-player player versus the projected starters this year um so are we are, is this like a jonah williams is a seven of ten or like what, what are we how are we doing this here i think like that's baked into the answer right like e- each of the five players have their like number attached to it and maybe it adds up to a number out of ten or maybe just like overall thoughts on the five last year compared to gotcha. this year and that ends up being a number so if i if i were to put a number on last year's group, they had two decent starters and three less desirable players. We'll put them at that, probably like a three. I think that's probably fair. You could put Hopkins and Williams, and they add up to probably like a three, and everyone else, okay, maybe three and a half, sure. Who says? Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so three, you're talking about last year's group, a three. Three right? out of ten. Three, okay. three and a half out of ten, fine. Okay. Three and a half out of ten. This okay. year, I think... Right now, five and a half, maybe six. I think that's that's fair. Potential to be six and a half, seven. Also potential to be four, four and a half. We don't know yet. I think the average right now, based on the expectations, based on who they are right now, based on who they can be, I think five and a half is about right compared to three and a half last year. I, I would be hard pressed to disagree with the three-ish type of ranking of last year. I guess I guess I would say, you know, maybe I'll just price is right you here and say a four uh, instead of a three and a half on last year's score for me. I think this year for me right now is maybe a six, 6.5, maybe upwards of a seven, depending on who starts and how things play out. I'll, I'll say this though. Um, you know, I, the areas in which the Bengals were really bad last year and really the past couple of years, sacking the quarterback, forcing turnovers, protecting the passer, running the football. I think if you get those areas to be, you don't need to be outstanding in those areas. You already have a quarterback who many believe is outstanding even after the injury and still recovering right now. You've got the outstanding skill position players. To me, if you're kind of like around middle of the pack in those areas, and then you've got Joe Burrow coming back and he's going to play at a level that you expect him to play. You've got these exciting weapons. I, I mean, I, I think that's a recipe for a pretty good season. If you got some of those areas shored up enough where you're not 28th or worse in like run defense, sacking the quarterback, getting, you know what, you know what I'm saying? Like if you are around that top half, that, that middle pack, of the league in a lot of different metrics and, and rankings. I think that that will lead to a really respectable season and a, and a really fun season. It's, it's those peaks and valleys, mostly valleys in those really critical areas of the football team that have led them to have six and a half wins over the last two years. So, I mean, 
if they if they are a a C C minus group up front on the offensive line, that's better than the D minus F plus group that we've been seeing over the past couple of years, in my opinion. Good enough offensive line, a good enough defense mixed with a hopefully top tier quarterback and top tier receiver group that does have the recipe for success. And I think that's what they sought out for. I think that's why they addressed the offseason the way that they did, because they knew they had a lot of work to get to good enough at both offensive line and defense. And that's more or less, I think, what the plan is. So, yeah, that's about right. Where are we going next? The We've got a lot of people asking for statistic predictions. I thought this one was a pretty good one from Royal Flush Terry, who mm. leads the Bengals in sacks this year on our in our live YouTube chat. Uh man, I I would like to say Trey Hendrickson because of the amount of money they invested in him in free agency, but I think it's going to be someone not so expected. Maybe it's a Joseph Osai, depending on how quickly he grows into a role. It may be an interior defensive lineman, you know, uh, depending on again how effective or ineffective the rest of the the line is. So I will say this. I'll say I say, I'll say it'll be Trey Hendrickson because I think he'll be out there for a lot of snaps. And I think because he's a guy who, for better or for worse, had some sacks that were coverage sacks last year, I think the Bengals have a lot of solid defensive backs and a lot of depth at defensive back that could maybe create a couple more coverage sacks than we've seen the past couple of years. So I will say Hendrickson, probably low-hanging fruit answer there, though, but I will say Hendrickson with about seven or seven and a half. I had to remind myself really quick how many sacks the Bengals had last year, and it's not even old enough to vote 17. Right. <laughs> like, if, if we expect them to improve, like there's, like, there's ample room for improvement, obviously, but how much is the improvement jump going to be? Is it going to be all the way up in the 40s? I don't think so. That would require at least one yeah. person to get double-digit sacks, and I don't think that should be the expectation. I know Trey Hendrickson at 13. We can go through the how that happened and uh, that whole discussion in, in itself. But say they get to like 30, a jump from 17 to 30. Maybe your leader is like eight, seven and a half. And I think that could be either Hendrickson or Hubbard. I, I think DJ Reader could be a dark horse in, in that sense, or it could be Larry Ogunjobi. Mm-hmm. I think what we'll end up seeing is that we'll have, we'll see like four or five guys in that four to seven sack range. And then the leader ends up with seven and a half. And I, I could see that honestly being Hubbard. Um, if it's not Hendrickson, maybe there's a lot of attention drawn towards Hendrickson because of his contract. And Hubbard kind of takes advantage of one-on-ones more than he's done in years past. But I think seven, seven and a half is a fair expectation for the high end of what you should expect Sam Hubbard to do in a single year. I would agree with that. And I think they do, to your point too, they do want to have a lot of different rotation in the middle of their defensive line. That's why they've gone after a lot of different interior defensive line players, both in free agency in the draft. They didn't get everyone they wanted to in free agency, but they got they got some. Before we get to more questions, I want to remind everybody you can give us a call or shoot us a text, 949-542-6241. You can email us, theobinsider at gmail.com. You can leave us a tweet with your questions. You can also leave them in the Cincy Jungle live chat on the post that we have running there. And then of course the live chats and YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, John, before we also move on, would you like to tell the folks about symbol 
I would love to tell the folks about Symbol. Symbol, if you guys do not already know, which if you don't already know, you must be new here, is the stock market for sports that allows you to trade sports teams just like stocks. Really is that simple. Symbol has set up their entire trading station where you can invest in NFL teams, NBA teams, MLB teams. Each team has a Symbol price attached to it, and that price fluctuates based off of you guys, the users. And it really is that simple. Right now, the Bengals are still the most expensive team on the Sim NFL market, with the Chiefs coming in at second place. It takes over like 60 bucks to invest in one share in the Sim Bengals. And I'd like to think that's a lot because of you guys. We've been partnered with Symbol for about over for almost two months now, and there's been a lot of activity. We've seen a lot of positive support for Symbol in the comments section here. So if you guys want to become a part of Symbol, you should visit www.symbol.app. That's www.symbol.app. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I, O-B-I, and enter the promo code O-B-I to get a $10 deposit bonus when you sign up. You don't have to just invest in the Sim Bengals. There's, again, NFL, NBA, and MLB teams for you guys to diverse your portfolio and get in on on some of these winnings. Symbol is a a great partner of the program. Again, as John mentioned, get that $10 deposit bonus when you sign up using the promo code O-B-I, of course. Short for Orange and Black Insider. The graphic that you see there, $25 a share, not really indicative as to where the Bengals' value is at, as John mentioned, but you can still make some money off the off of the Bengals. You know, if you're a savvy uh, stock trader, whatnot, you can you can make some money there. And it is a fun addition to those who like to do some fantasy football. If you're into sports betting, this is just a different way to have some fun with the football season, but invest, make some money. And of course, keep an eye on those bangles. And if they make the leaps that we're talking about making, uh, you can make yourself some good money there. John, was it your turn or mine? I had lost track there uh, to pick the next. I'll let, I'll, I'll have you do it. I'll have you do it. Yeah. I was going to go to, we had a text from the five one nine area code and this texter asks, how many starters will the Bengals get out of this year's mm. draft class for the next two to three years so i guess by 2024 how many starters will the Bengals get from the 10 picks that they just had in this year's draft class within you know by like you said by 2023 or something like that um, yeah so like yeah three years down the road yeah uh i think carmen now are we talking starting playing well you know i, I guys who will start to right some it, 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 you're, you're good enough to to maintain a starting job yeah I think Carmen, I think, uh, well, you're going to have Chase, obviously. Um, I, you know, I, I waver on, is Osai going to be a niche player or is he going to develop and be, I mean, you had a, a hype article, I think from Jeff Hobson on bangles.com saying there's this other guy in Pittsburgh named TJ Watt, blah, blah, blah. You know, so it's, it's kind of like, oh man, does he become a guy like that? Or does he, you know, um, so you've, you've got that. Uh, I, I think. You're going to get another starter out of one of the other offensive linemen, whether it's Deontay Smith or whether it's uh, Trey Hill down the road. I think one of those guys are going to develop. So I think your goal is always to kind of, you know, if you have seven or eight picks as a team, you know, you'd love to get one or two starters, another two to, you know, two role players that are very valuable. And then you kind of gamble with the rest. But I think if you're asking me now, you've got Jamar Chase. You've got Jackson Carmen's going to start for you at, at some point. We hope that, that that works out. And then I think 
I'll go with Deontay Smith as a guy that, that develops into a starting tackle, maybe down the road uh, that, that they like. Does Evan McPherson count? Um, yeah. I mean, I, there's a lot of caveats, right? Is does Evan right. McPherson count? Do we also add in the UDFAs because there may be some guys there slot receivers and such that could contribute punt returners. I don't know. Um, you know, you heard, you heard Terrell talking about Puka Williams. Maybe he's a guy that sneaks on the roster and does some things for you, but that's, I mean, I guess in terms of the, the 22, Offense, defense, those are the guys I would see. And then, yeah, of course, McPherson. If we were to add McPherson, I would say five. And that's Chase. I I, I will say Carmen becomes and continues to stay a starter three years down three years down the road. And then, yeah, I would agree that Deontay Smith has the best chance compared to a guy in Trey Hill, even though um, Trey Hopkins isn't going to last with the Bengals forever. Hill eventually will get some chance to contribute. But I think the plan would be, for Deontay Smith to eventually become a starter, at least by year three. And we talked a lot about Osai and even Cam Sample and Tyler Shelvin, but like what they have right now, defensive line is a lot of kind of long-term stability. You have Trey Hendrickson under contract for four years. You have Trey DJ Reader under contract for three years. You don't really have a long-term pass rushing defensive tackle behind Larry Ogunjobi, and that wasn't really addressed in this draft class. You think that Cam Sample is going to take some snaps of that position? That's not really where. He's going to like, I don't think he's going to start at defensive tackle. He's just going to take some snaps there. So if Osai is still a decent player, he, he can become what Carl Lawson was in the first three years of him playing. But he, but I think you're also operating under the assumption that Sam Hubbard is going to get extended. He's going to be a starter for as long as I guess Trey Hendrickson's also on the team. So you have your two starting defensive ends but if you want to consider like your third defensive end as a quote-unquote starter because he's still playing like 25 30 snaps a game for how much you rotate and how much you have to rush the passer and have you know as many pass rushers on the field as possible i think you could make some type of of a qualification for a side to technically be a starter so that's chase carmen osai smith mcpherson i believe that's five unless i just completely counted wrong no, I think that's correct. And yeah. again, it's just you know, do you, if you count the kicker, then yes. I mean, that's that's a, a four for me. But I think if you number one, if you get five starters, best case um, for sure. So yeah, I mean that that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. But I think that also makes up a bit for some of the the lackluster stuff we've seen in some some recent drafts including um you know some question marks coming out of that first one under Zach Taylor so um you know that's that I, I think there's a lot of promise in this but again it's reaching that potential what kind of role would they be given and how soon you know I I do like Trey Hill as well I, I worry about the knees though he has issues with both knees so I you know I don't know how even if he does gain a starting position somewhere along the offensive line, I don't know how long those, those knees of his will hold up, but we'll see. Uh, you just grabbed one of our text messages. Um, let's see, where are we going next? John, you had one, I think that was, I'll let you take that one. Cause it was, I think to you, I'll let you go next on that one about Suofilo. Hmm. Uh, this there's one from Fred Taylor, not so much a question, but it was it's kind of an interesting comment. It seems like a lot of projections don't account for the extra game this season. A lot of season records should be set this year. And I think that's gonna be I, I guess that's just an interesting point of conversation because 
is is this a year do you start looking at things with with asterisks if season records are broken whether it's passing yards receiving yards touchdowns all that kind of stuff do you start looking at statistical anomalies with this with this year um or is it just kind of how it's gone in the ebbs and flows of time where it's like well that's just how it used to be it used to be a 16 game season that's not how it is anymore so now you got to count for one more game full of statistics yeah so i I don't know the exact year that it changed to to 16 games i believe it was in the 70s i want to say when it went from 14 to 16 and that's when the majority of these Bengals records that you're looking at have, have been have been set. There's only been four seasons where the Bengals have had a 4,000 yard passer. And when you think about the history of Bengals quarterbacks, you'd think there probably should be a little bit more than that. But you know, Ken Anderson didn't play in an era where they passed the ball that much, and the same could have been said for Boomer Sison. So you had Carson Palmer do it twice, Andy Dalton do it twice, and Andy Dalton is currently the record holder with 4,200. In 93 passing yards, I would have expected Joe Burrow to like average that if the NFL stayed at 16 games for the entirety of his career. If Joe Burrow gets 17 games this season, I think he's easily breaking the 4,300-yard 4, passing yardage mark. Um, so that's that's just one. Like I, I don't think Jamar Chase is going to catch uh, Chad Johnson or AJ Green's receiving yardage records. I don't think he's going to get to 1,400 just yet this year as a rookie. That's really tough to do. I think Justin Jefferson barely did it last year, and he should have won Rookie of the Year. Rushing yardage, you have Rudy Johnson at the top with 1,458. I don't think Joe Mixon's going to get the ball that much. Top that, remember, Rudy Johnson ran the ball 337 times, 361 times the two times that he rushed for over 1,400 yardage. And on defense, like I don't think anyone's touching Coy Bacon's unofficial sack yeah. record or, or Carlos Dunlap's official sack record. So if I were to bet on one, I think Burrow's easily breaking 4,300 if he stays healthy. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. And, uh, man, that the the days of Rudy toting the rock, I mean, and, and they were still throwing the ball a lot. They just had the ball a lot. They just had the ball. They had so yeah. many turnovers. <laughs> They'd always yeah. have the ball back. They just had had the ball a ton there. Uh, let's let's go to the one that you got. It was a, a tweet. I think was it directly to you from Tom Jackson, or was it, I, I? I'll have to look for that one. Yeah, I, I asked for questions on Twitter at John Double Underscore Sheeran. If you guys aren't following um, Tom Jackson at TJ Underscore Jackson Underscore RF, he's asking why was Xavier Sufiel getting first team reps at right guard instead of Jackson Carmen? who needs them far more than the veteran who won't be playing right guard. Well, that's what we think. That's what we thought was going to happen. We thought that Carmen was going to be the start out of the gate, but it makes sense in OTAs to have the veteran out there at a position that he played last year over the rookie who has never played that position before in his life. Again, I don't think this is indicative of what is going to end up happening. It's definitely not in stone. If you're just asking for five guys who have been in the NFL before and have played these positions before and you just want them going through the motions and giving everyone else an idea of what this new scheme is going to be like when they're playing in shorts and shirts. That's fine. I think, I guess the one minor surprise is having Sue feel at right guard in Spain at left guard. It was, it was going to be a question of if those two guys are out there, who's going to play which spot. And that's kind of what we talked about on Wednesday's show because they're both natural left guards, but you have to think that Suofilo, who's under contract for two more years, and he had the experience at left guard, maybe he would have gotten the shot over Quinn Spain, who's right now playing on, on a prove-it deal for about vet minimum. So maybe it's more surprising that Spain is getting out there as a starter, but 
you know, before he got to the Bengals, he was renowned as a quality starter in this league, which is more than what you could have said about Suofilo. So it goes back and forth both ways, but I think it, with in this specific case, you just kind of want veterans out there and not really think twice about it. I don't know if this tweet from Tom is, and I don't know if that's Tom Jackson from ESPN and NFL primetime or not, well, but you'd be uh, honored Tom, to have you on the show, man. Yeah. If, if you are that Tom Jackson. Yes. Yes. Uh, but it, I don't know if the, if the question is like out of stemmed out of concern, like why, you know, jet, we drafted Jackson Carmen. He's a second round guy. Coaches apparently have big plans for him. Why is he not starting right away? To me, if, if he wasn't going to be starting in either OTAs or training camp or something, uh, you know, if there was going to be an instance where he was not going to be the starter, Carmen, that is, I would prefer it to kind of be this way where he gets more reps in training camp in preseason to not only get acclimated to things and the speed of the game, the the strength of the opponents and all of that, but just to get more rep- repetitions and more in preseason, more actual game snaps. And I think that this is just kind of like, Hey, you know, we've got, we've got some veterans here. We're going to give the veterans the tip of the cap in OTAs and we're going to give them the the start here. By the way, Dan Horde, who did relay the starting offensive line lineup uh, did say, you know, kind of take this, take what you're seeing with a grain of salt because there could be a lot of movement uh, and shuffling around and a lot of competition at some of these spots. I mean, Billy Price is at center, or at least he started at center in OTAs because of Trey Hopkins injury and recovery. So, I mean, there, there could be still some moving parts by the time the next couple of months roll around, but also this Suofilo is a guy that Frank Pollock is probably trying to, uh, wasn't, wasn't Pollock with him in Dallas? If I, if I remember correctly, uh, were they, uh, believe, were they linked together? I believe Pollock left before Suofilo. Got okay. There. Well, regardless, uh, Suofilo was brought in with Turner, so he's got to kind of get in the good graces of his new offensive line coach there. So, you know, that, I, I wouldn't sit here and go, well, what's going on? Why isn't Carmen getting the start right now? It, it You'd like to see him out there immediately in OTAs, but I think, you know, if, it, if there is a time to panic in terms of, you know, what's the potential here? What is he looking like? I think we need to start looking at September, the preseason games of what we're seeing in some of those games, those practices and where the starters are at that point and, and kind of gauge it from there. If this is indeed a question about kind of panicking on Carmen, where else uh, do we? I, oh, I had one here, John, if you don't mind. Uh, it's from James Hawley. What are your opinions of the Kayvon Frazier pickup? He is the safety who has played in Dallas and Miami, um, kind of bounced around a little bit, been in the league a few years. And really, again, for me, more depth, not a lot of statistics to his name, is a guy who was drafted, I think, or uh, started playing in the league in 2016. I'll have to double check that, but mm-hmm. 73, 73 total t- uh, tackles to his name in that time. So really, I think there's, there's there's a special teams role here. There's a rotational role, a depth role, and maybe, you know, kind of filling out some things. And I know you have mentioned that the Bengals had some roster spots to fill out anyway after the draft. Um, so I, I think in some ways this makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people were hoping for an offensive line addition, maybe another pass rusher, but – Pickings are a little bit slim there, and we know that Lou Anarumo, the former defensive backs coach, loves, loves, loves to collect defensive backs, especially as the coordinator of the Bengals. But your thoughts on the Kayvon Frazier pickup? Uh, all I know is I do play for the Dolphins last year, so I guess Marion Hobby put in a good word for him. He played with the Cowboys before that, and 
I don't know if there's anyone on the Bengals defensive staff that worked with the Cowboys from 2016 to 2019, but he's just been in the league for a handful of years. I think he just has some minor experience as a rotational guy, probably has special teams um, experience to his name as well. I just, I would just think that this is a guy that hobby knew they wanted someone else to fill in at safety behind Ricardo Allen and Brandon Wilson as the reserves at those respective spots. So he basically joins Travion Henderson as a fellow third stringer at the position, but just like the Joe Batchy um, signing at linebacker, this basically rounds out those position groups to make sure that they have enough bodies to get through training camp, I would assume. Yeah. And we've got another text coming through here from the five, one, three, I believe it's from Dre. What, what kind of record could possibly lead to, we're just, we're just flip-flopping topics here. What kind of record could possibly lead to Zach Taylor being fired mid-season? Well, we know, uh, we got to double check. I think the bye week, which in which something w- w- I guess would be a barometer if Zach Taylor is in the Bengals are not doing well. The bye week is week 10. And that comes at a very interesting time, John, because the Bengals would then have come off of a home game against Cleveland in week nine. We know, no, no, that how much Mike Brown just hates the Cleveland Browns, the Brown family, the disdain that they have for the Cleveland Browns. If the Bengals are not doing well through the first nine games of the season and at home, they have an embarrassing loss to the Cleveland Browns. That might be a death knell for Taylor and or the staff. The problem is, is who do you, I mean, do you give the, the reins to Darren Simmons? Do you give it to Frank Pollock in that, in that case? I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole at this point because optimism's high. I think things are moving in a good direction for this team, but for the sake of playing devil's advocate, I guess, and the, the question that we received from Dre via text, what would it take record-wise for the Bengals, especially <laughs> looking at that Browns game right before the bye week? What would that take um, for the Bengals, a normally patient team to go, yeah, we're done. So what, what would that be, nine games leading up to that point? Yeah. I, I would say if he's one and eight, I think he's gone at that point because you're not really expecting to win more than a handful of the remaining games, and that puts you at like four and 13, five and 12. At that point, it's basically the same as last year. Yeah. And maybe there's something catastrophic that happens because of that record and maybe that would be reasons to give him another chance but you have to think if they don't make like at least decent progress excuses and injuries be damned that he's going to get his leash kind of extended here um if he's like treading or if he's on the direction of picking in the top three or five again by midseason i think that would be what would constitute his mm-hmm. firing at that point and just to remind everybody, this is on bangles.com. The schedule here, week one, uh, hosting Minnesota at Chicago, week two, week three at Pittsburgh, week four, hosting Jacksonville, week five, hosting Green Bay, week six, going to Detroit, week seven, going to Baltimore, week eight. So you've got three road games in a row, two of which seem to be pretty winnable games in at Detroit and at New York. Then you have that barometer game i guess against cleveland at home and you've got the bye so and we went through the schedule this is kind of a little bit of their easier port we we know they've got kind of a, a murderer's row at the end of this uh season there with 
you know, Cleveland and Kansas city. And I, you know, so I mean, Minnesota, that doesn't seem to be a, an overwhelming game. Minnesota will be uh, scrappy and probably decent, but that doesn't seem to be an overwhelming game at Chicago. Chicago's got a, a good roster, but they've got questions at quarterback. It depends on who's playing and how good those those, those respective quarterbacks they have look. Could be a rematch against good friend Andy Dalton. And then, of course, Pittsburgh. Which Pittsburgh are you going to get? Are you going to get the one that the media thinks is taking a big step backwards this year? Or are you getting the usually competitive, tough Pittsburgh team in Heinz Field? That's going to be a tough one. And then Jacksonville should be a a fun one with Trevor Lawrence. But, you know, that should be a game at home that the Bengals potentially uh, take that one, hopefully. And then, of course, Green Bay, who's quarterback there. I mentioned Detroit, Baltimore, Jets in a row on the road. And then, of course, you've got Cleveland there. So, I mean, there should be some games there that are, are winnable, and the Bengals should. There's not not really an excuse to have one win with this roster by the time the bye week hits, I guess is kind of the message I'm trying to convey. It just seems – that seems like a very – an incredible under, underwhelming type of performance if that's where the Bengals are at that point. In conclusion, don't expect it to happen. Don't expect him <laughs> to get fired there. Um, right. If he does get fired, it will probably be at the end of the season. But as our good friend Paul Blanton in the comments section knows, Mike Brown will probably not fire a coach, a head coach, before his contract is expired. And we don't know the length of Zach Taylor's contract. So that will be a mystery. I wanted to get to this question real quick before we mm-hmm. wrap it up from Royal Flush Terry in YouTube. Over under five and a half made field goals of 50 plus yards for Evan McPherson as a rookie this year. I got some data uh, to, in the back of my answer, but I want to I want to throw it to you first. Uh, hell, I'll go over. I, I haven't I haven't researched it yet, so I'm going to have to look at, at the kids' stats a little bit. I'll say I'll say over. I mean, why not? I think they're going to try more. Uh, I think they're going to. Was it over? I'm looking for the question. Is it 55 plus? Is over five and a half made of 50 50 plus yards. Right here, I think I found it. Okay, over under five and a half made of 50 of 50 plus. 50 plus makes me a little more confident in in over so that would be six kicks of 50 or more yards um, by McPherson this season I mean I'll have to look at the kids stats I got I, I know I looked at them after they drafted him but I don't have them at the top of mine I'll have to look again but I think there are going to be more attempts that the Bengals make from further distance I think they're gonna have more confidence in this kid's leg I think that they're going to uh, try it out and I, I I think that hell I can't get much worse on long kicks than it has been over the past few years with whether it's Randy Bullock or others, they just haven't had the strongest leg kickers. It's probably crazy and pie in the sky thinking that what I'm saying is going to come to fruition, but hell I'll just say over. Why not? But it'll be six. It's not going to be like eight. (laughs) Right. Because eight is the most that a kicker made beyond 50 last year. Brandon McManus was eight of 13 from 50 plus last year. Right. Yeah, Young Ho yeah. Ko of the Falcons was seven of seven, and I believe oh. he made the Pro Bowl because of that. Um, Randy Bullock was two for four. Now, the difference between number of kicks, 50 plus yards and 55 plus yards is like 90. There was 144 kicks of 50 plus yardage last year. There's only like 52 of 55 plus. So there's a lot of kicks between that 50 and 54 yard range. And I do agree that there's going to be more kicks attempted a 50 plus yardage and they won't be they won't be so timid to like punt in those situations because they feel confident that they have a kicker that at least is going to get it there but also it may not be like they're going to lead the league in kicks over 50 yards because 
I think we're seeing less kicks from that distance because teams are more aggressive and more inclined to actually go for it. And I think when you look at in terms of like neutral game script and like where, where it's not like a desperate situation to go for the Bengals are still relatively aggressive when going forward in those situations. And I think if you have confidence in the, in, in the offense and you're not really necessarily going to be blowing out opponents and you're going to need to continue to score points. Yeah. They'll have more confidence in their kicker, but I think they'll also have more confidence in their offense to go forward in those situations where you won't necessarily always have to use McPherson's big leg to make those 50, 50 or 55 yard field goals. So five and a half, there's still only five kickers that made five field goals last year of 50 plus yards. So I'm going to go under just because that's like where most kickers actually end up. But also I don't think they're going to be addicted to kicking those field goals because unless you're in like a fourth and 10 or fourth and eighth type situation, I think the Bengals are still going to be interested in putting as many, many points up on the board as possible because they're not going to be in a lot of blowouts games uh, in their favor. The going for, yeah, leave it to you to, to make me look ignorant. Uh, <laughs> the going for it thing, the Bengals have been going for it quite a bit. And whether that was with Joe Bur- Burrow or not, I mean, they were behind on the scoreboard, so they just went for it a lot on fourth down, especially as the season wore on last year. But um, yeah, yeah. The hope is that the hope is that you know McPherson turns into kind of a Justin Tucker type of guy that can be consistent from a lot of different places on the field. And if they have that kind of confidence in him, that only strengthens what they're trying to do on offense. And and you know, I mean, they've made a, a pretty pretty high investment on, in the kid for for it being a kicker. So um, it, you know, I I'm just kind of I was kind of having fun with it, but I, I would not be surprised to see see him be a bit more successful than some of his predecessors here. John, it would not be a listener question show unless you got a Thad Moss, a Thad, <laughs> a Thad Moss question. I know you love you some Thaddeus Moss. Uh, Chris Hubbard, good friend of the show. Uh, do you think Thad Moss will make the Bengals roster come September? We did see him arriving on the field. I believe it was with Joe Burrow the other day, um, walking onto the field. So we saw his a first look at him in a Bengals uniform. I think I'll just start off with this because I, I, I know how much you love Thad Moss questions. But I will say this. I think if Thad Moss is to make it anywhere, in the NFL and have his best shot at success. I think given the limited athletic profile that we saw in pre-draft workouts and whatnot, I think it would be in an offensive system like this with a quarterback in which he is comfortable and had some really nice moments with in 20, um, 2019. So I think his best shot at having a, a any kind of successful NFL career is probably with the Bengals because of the comfort level with Joe Burrow and, and the system they are running that has a lot of LSU verbiage and or uh, looks to it. That's just my take. I get Chris Hubbard's angle here, but I have no problem with Thad Moss being the third tight end after the Bengals claimed him off of waivers and he's mm-hmm. on an undrafted rookie contract. That's exactly what Thad Moss should be. So, yeah, I do think that he makes the roster. I was looking at the video when he and Burrow crossed the street. I'm like, Thad Moss is holding a helmet. I wonder if it's Burrow's helmet because I made the prediction that, like, Thad Moss is just going to be here to carry Burrow's pads around so he doesn't have to put more pressure on that left knee. But, no, I, I would love to have Thad Moss on the show, though, because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming the son of Randy Moss has a lot of great stories and obviously the best friends of Burrow, he would have a lot of insight. So I do, I do hope that he makes the team. I do hope that he sticks around and he can eventually – become a friend of the show because I think he has a lot to offer, not only as a third tight end, but also as a great story for Bengals fans. 
I would be pleased with it also. I mean, if you've got CJ Uzama, you've got Drew Sample, and you have Thad Moss there as your your three guys at the position group, each bring a little bit something different to the table there. Why, why not? I mean, if he proves that he's capable, he proves that he can do some things in this offensive system and, and he br- brings value, I have no problem with it. But it's not, again, you can't just bring guys in that Joe Burrow knows just because. They have to also prove that they can do things at the NFL level. They can be productive roster members and and show that when their number is called, whatever that may be, that they can answer the bell. And uh, hopefully Thad Moss does that. I would like to see him latch on with the Bengals. And obviously that it's not even just, you know, the benefit of, of Thad Moss too. It's, it's, you know, obviously the, the Joe Burrow side of the fence as well, where there's a, a relationship there. And I think that, I think they were best buds and roommates and all that kind of stuff. Right. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see I, if he shows to be productive and comfortable in this system, I, I would have no problem with it. Hundred percent. Anything else we want to get to before we hop on out of here? Yeah, there was this one question from about yeah. ha- a half hour ago by Ceiling Cat. Okay, I'll he, see if he I was can... he was asking football is played with helmets and pads. Yeah, pro days are in spandex. Why not work these guys out in the same equipment they use in game to get a real assessment, so they don't get injured? I'm not trying to be snarky at all, but I feel like that's about as simple of an answer as you can as you can get so they don't get injured yeah i i i do understand that is a, a well really... I, 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 I think i took it the wrong way obviously he's not talking about attacking people but i think johnny Manziel was the one who was in a, in a helmet and pads in his pro day it, it's it's not about that it, it, it's not like they want to get a good visual on how guys just how they do and they want them to have as clean of a pro day as possible and the, the less variables that you can have with that, the better. You're not; these guys aren't going up against contacts. So there's no reason to have helmets and pads. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to clear that up for him. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I was laughing though about the not only the the name but the avatar. If you see the avatar there, there's literally a cat poking through a, a ceiling tile. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty it's a pretty funny <laughs> avatar. Um, but uh, the the only thing I could say that would that I really would say, okay, yeah, I, I see what you're saying here, ceiling cat, is they do – I mean, if you're a quarterback, if you're a wide receiver, you've got shoulder pads on, you've got a helmet on, that's in a game, and that's what you're catching footballs and throwing footballs with on. Now, if you're in shorts and stuff, I mean, that that doesn't emulate game speed, that doesn't emulate, you know, because you, you've got extra weight, extra pads, extra – all this kind of stuff on. So I understand that side of things but uh you know i mean that's just how the workouts are designed i think part of it is because of injury issues and part of it is um you know i i think that i, I don't want to say this maybe there's some you know the agency side is involved where they want to make sure that like you said their clients are show, giving the best possible showing they are clocking the best times in their in their dashes and whatnot and uh you know i but i do see the i do see the argument a little bit of you know why aren't they using the equipment they use not necessarily you know hit guys hitting each other and whatnot but you know i mean your your vision is different inside when you're looking through a helmet as opposed to not wearing a helmet your speed is different your movements are a little bit different you but you know i mean kind of is what it is you have to probably ask someone a lot smarter than me to get get a true answer there but really interesting question and in in, from 
someone with one of the best avatars I've seen in a long time. That's a good, that's a good uh, image there. John, anything else, bud? Uh, I think we ran through all these questions. Yeah, um, we went through a lot of them. Yeah. Zach, David, use an S next time, not a dollar sign. <laughs> well, I, yeah. What was that about? Um, he likes anyway. you, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, well, thanks everybody for submitting your questions in a number of different ways. Sorry if we didn't get to yours. We tried to get to as many as possible. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. And uh, John, anything else before we say adios to all these people? Even Zach David with his uh, lovely compliment of us. Yeah, I think I think Randall wanted to say something real quick. Oh, he must have lost it. Never mind. Oh, good. No, he got stage fright. All right. That's all right, Randall. Next time. Everybody, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. We'll see you next week with more content. Keep it to Cincy Jungle for, for all your news, opinions, analysis, all that good stuff, as well as our podcast channel, which includes this amazing, amazing show, along with the others from Ace and Zim and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick. Those are high-end programming as well. So check all of that out. We will see you all. Enjoy your weekend. Take it easy.